How many REO fans out there? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> they uh, take it on the run. And yes, you're in church this morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, 1981, that was a uh, top uh, 10 hit. Ended up hitting solid gold several years later. And I was in college when that song came out. My roommate and I, Larry, uh, we uh, loved music. And we had a vast vinyl collection between us. And I remember buying this album, uh, High End Fidelity was the album, adding it to my collection. And I loved the album, but Take It On The Run, that song, not so much. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, We were living in the dorm at the time, uh, up in Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Christian College, and uh, we lived in the dorm, and they had paper-thin walls. And the guy next to us, uh, he started playing this song one day, and he played it over and over and over and over. And we, we should have known that something was up, but back then, I was not as loving and caring as the guy that stands before you today. Um, okay, I was a little slow, okay? <laughs> but I remember the first evening that our neighbor was playing that song, and after about the 50th time, Larry, he's like, man, he loves that song. And I'm like, I guess so. And it it was just this thing. And uh, I worked midnights at the time. So the next morning, I'm rolling in from uh, working, trying to get ready for class. And as soon as I come through the door, the song's still playing. And Every time I was back at the dorm during the day, the song's playing, and it really got bad. I'm sitting in class, and the song's in my head, and that's all I can think about. I can't even concentrate. The song's just in my head. This went on for several days. Finally, Larry and I had had it, and so we went over, and we're beating on the door of his room, and the guy comes to, to the door, and we're like, dude, quit playing the song. What is wrong with you? Just quit. And then he told us that he had broken up with his girlfriend and that he had heard from a friend that she she was cheating on him. And so we felt bad for him. And I'll be honest, not terribly bad, but we just wanted him to quit playing the song. You know. So Larry and I decided, we said, we'll give you $20 for that album. You can go buy two albums and listen to something different. And so he was like, uh, you know, our objective was we just didn't want to hear the song anymore. And so he agreed. We were thrilled. And then, don't ask me why, but Larry and I decided we're going to burn the album. And so we went out in front of our dorm. We were in college, okay? That's what you do when you're in college. So we're burning the album, or attempting to burn the album, and the guy who had just broke up with his girlfriend, he's, he's walking by, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm thinking, really? you got to ask, what are we doing? We're burning the album. You know, we're burning your album, dude. And uh, he, I'll never forget what he said to us next. He said, you know that's your album, right? He says, I got it out of your room a couple days ago. <laughs> and, and so that's my memory of that. Uh, hmm. We're in this series, uh, Top Ten, and we're looking at ten rock-solid commands from God, ten foundational values 
that are, will lead us to successful living. And I want to ask you something. If, if you were driving today and you saw a ramp onto the highway, but you're not sure if it's an on-ramp or an off-ramp, but you see the sign that says, do not enter, would you resent it or would you appreciate it? When you look at the values that God gives us for living, anytime you see a negative, there is always a positive behind it. The, the command is not to deprive, but it's to protect. And God says over and over in his word that when we play by the rules, so to speak, his design, that you win in life. Today we're focusing on the seventh commandment. It says you shall not commit adultery. That is a commandment that is high in fidelity. In fact, nothing destroys a relationship, a marriage, a family faster than adultery. God says, this is my protection plan. Don't commit adultery. Don't do it. Now, I know even the mere mention of the word adultery causes a lot of pain for people. Memories, shame. And I just want to say my purpose this morning is not to resurrect the past, but it's to focus on the future and to get us moving forward. And I want us to have a, a healthy perspective and to have God's perspective on the topic. The fact is, sex is part of God's design. It's like everything else. It's to be controlled. It's to be within confines. In fact, God gives us a gift, whatever that gift is, and there are always limitations with it. God created us with sexual desire and properly controlled and expressed in the confines of marriage, it's a beautiful thing. It's a fantastic thing. But outside of marriage, it's destructive. It's uh, detrimental physically, uh, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. We live in a high infidelity society. You know, books like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, it was a, a bestseller list for months and months and months. Fastest selling paperback book in history. 120 million copies, translated 52 languages. It broke box office records the first week that it was released, earning $570 million. You know, sites like uh, Ashley Madison, it's geared toward people who are married but are thinking about having affairs. In fact, their, their slogan is, life's short, have an affair. And it just slays me, even after the, the public humiliation and the data breach with that, there are still over 46 million users. We are a high infidelity society. And today what I want to look at is, how do you affair-proof your marriage? You know, God wants sex to build our marriages, not destroy our marriages. 
You know, Paul writes, writes this, he says, marriage is to be honored by all. And husbands and wives must be faithful to each other. God will judge those who are immoral and those who commit adultery. I, I've said many times through, through the years that it is easier to get married than to stay married. Especially in a world that says, take it on the run. Anything goes. Whatever works for you. You know, media is obsessed with sex. I'm, I'm floored. We use uh, sex to sell everything from cars to hamburgers. You know, we're constantly bombarded with these sexually charged um, messages, whether it be an ad or a movie or in music or language. In fact, you, you don't stand much of a chance of being pure if you allow culture to infiltrate your, your life. You know, and unless we have guidelines, unless we listen to God in the midst of this, this high infidelity society, I think we've got struggles. You know, affairs happen. They, they happen for many reasons. Uh, uh, some of the common catalysts, unmet needs, unfulfilled expectation, unresolved conflict, an underdeveloped uh, sense worth. The Bible calls those traps. They set us up. I was reading an article, uh, the Huffington Post, uh, Victoria Milan. She uh, runs one of those dating sites that's geared toward married people that want to have an affair. It's very interesting. 6,000 of the users, 46% of them, said the reason why they were thinking about or checking out their options was that their spouse spends too much time on the phone or their tablet. See, I think that sounds like a new trap that many are falling into. So, it's, so how do you avoid the traps? How do you affair-proof your marriage? Well, the first thing you've got to do is commit to honoring God's ways. First command. See, we're back to it, aren't we? God first, God first, God first. It helps everything else when God's first, regardless of your past, regardless of your future. Commitment to God's standards. In other words, it's not pick and choose what we want. It's full obedience. It's full obedience in every area of our life, which includes our sexual life. And the Bible's clear. Sex in marriage only. Not before marriage. Not on the run not outside of marriage, only within the context of marriage. The psalmist writes this, he says, how can young people keep their lives pure? By obeying culture? No, by obeying your commands, your commands. I think the psalmist says young people because the, the psalmist assumes that as you get older, you figure things out. You get wiser. I mean, we're supposed to get wiser, right? But he, the fact is, the psalmist says, look, you've lived long enough. When you look at things, when you observe it, have you not figured out that God's ways are better? God's standard in the Bible, it's clear. It never changes. You know, adultery is never an option under any circumstance, no matter what's going on. There's a guy in the Old Testament, Joseph. Joseph in the coat of many colors. Joseph, he's serving in Potiphar's home. 
He's, he's a slave there. Potiphar's wife, she tries to seduce him. Joseph, when I read that story, I think Joseph has every reason in the world to give in to this temptation. You know, he's young, probably thinks I'm single, I'm in a foreign country, family's not around. Culture, culture seems to be accepting of it overall. The heart wants what the heart wants. She's into me. Besides, I deserve a little diversion here. I mean, my life's not ideal. I've been mistreated, and wow, he had been mistreated, hadn't he? Terrible family, deprived of love. And when you look at his life, I mean, so far, his life had been less than desirable to that point. But instead of taking it on the run, the Bible says Joseph ran. He honors God. He chose a different avenue. And I believe that's what we have to do in our lives, honor God. God first. God first. All the years I've been in ministry, I mean, I've heard it, I've heard it all through the years. People say, well, you know, my wife wasn't meeting my needs, and, you know, if she had or he had, then, then this wouldn't have happened. Or I'm on the road a lot, and it just gets really lonely. You know, things in my life aren't going well, and, and I just need a diver- diversion in my life. I, I just couldn't resist you know, I, I needed to know that I was still desirable to someone. I needed to pick me up. Proverbs says, be faithful to your own wife or husband and give your love to them alone. That is not a suggestion. That's a command from God. If you want to protect your marriage publicly affirm God's standards to your, to your spouse, to your friends, to, you, to your relatives, to the people that you work with. So there is no doubt where you stand on the issue when it comes to your marriage. Your, your, your conversations should be loud and clear to those around you. I intend to be faithful to my wife. I intend to be faithful to my husband. I intend to be faithful to my God. You know, most people that know me know I am hopelessly in love with Cindy. I do not want there to be any doubt where I stand on on that issue. You want the people around you to know that you're not available, that this is a non-negotiable in your life. So that's the first thing. You should also imagine the consequences should you think about going down that road. You you should remind yourself of the devastation. You should remind yourself of the destruction that's caused by sexual sin. You know, Proverbs says, but those who commit adultery have no sense. Those who do it destroy who? Themselves. They destroy themselves. There's nothing like sexual sin when it comes to the damage that it does. I mean, it leaves permanent scars. It it carries deep, deep levels of of shame that oftentimes is very difficult to overcome. It affects everybody that's involved in in just uh, very destructive ways. I, I I can't even begin. I mean, I've been in ministry for a long time. 
And I can't even begin to tell you how many people have went down that path and they'll say, I wish I could turn back the clock. I had no idea what this was going to be like. Adultery will cost you. It will cost you everything. It will cost you way more than you ever dreamed of. The cost is really high. Story in the Old Testament of Esau. Uh, one day he comes home, he, he's, he's really hungry. And Scripture says he sold his birthright. In other words, he gave away his inheritance for a bowl of stew. And, and when you read that, you go, is he crazy? I mean, who, who would do that? Friends, I know people that are selling their lives away for a moment of pleasure. And I know, so some of you go, well, I'm in a, it's a difficult season in our, in our marriage. I know there's struggles. I know some of you are having a difficult time, that, that things aren't as satisfying as you wish they were in your life. But as you're assessing the cost of maintaining your marriage, of restoring your marriage, or repairing your marriage, as you're assessing the, the cost of making it work, if you're thinking, oh, the cost is too high, just remember that the cost of adultery is always higher, always higher, always higher. Everybody loses on that one. See, God put these commands here for our benefit to save us a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of damage in our lives. I mean, I've been married 30 years next month. And by God's grace, I intend to be faithful as long as we're alive. Because God's ways are better. God put these pieces here. I mean, when I think about it, it's like, well, I go down that path of being faithful because I love God. I love God. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. You know, God's clear on, on this, this topic. Nothing outside of marriage. You know, I do it because I, lo I love my wife. I love my kids and my grandkids. In fact, the thought of hurting them in any way, honestly, seems a little unbearable to me. And I fear God. And friends, we ought to have a healthy fear of our Creator. And I know how this goes. People go, well, you know, nobody's going to really know. But God knows. And we're going to give an account someday before God of how we live our life and the choices that we make. Imagine the consequences. Imagine the consequences. It'll help. And invest in your marriage. Invest in your marriage. Make your relationship with your spouse a high priority. It will reduce the, the attraction of uh, adultery. It, it will help you have a healthy family. Get your priorities right. God first, God first, your spouse is next, then your kids, and then you'll have to work it out past there. But you got to get your spouse in the proper spot. You know, Paul writes, he says, man shall fulfill his duty as a husband, and a woman shall fulfill her duty as a wife, and each shall, be, shall satisfy the other's needs. You know, what kind of needs? Well, I, I think a lot of different ones. 
Dr. Willard Harley in his book, His Needs, Her Needs, he uh, surveyed thousands uh, of couples. And uh, it's a great book if you're looking for a book to read. Uh, but he talks about the five greatest needs in men and women. And he uh, says the five greatest needs of men, listen to these, sexual fulfillment, recreational companionship, an attractive spouse, domestic support, admiration. Those are men's needs. Now listen to women's needs. Affection, conversation, honesty and openness, financial support, family commitment. Did you notice the similarities? (laughs) Two vastly, vastly different lists. I mean, it's no wonder we struggle adjusting to marriage, maintaining marriage. What's the solution? You get serious about your marriage. You get serious about making your spouse a very high priority in your life. You know, meeting their needs to the best of your ability, even if their needs aren't your needs. You know, that effort will go a long way to protecting your your marriage. One one of the greatest problems, and if you're married, you know it, and it's money and sex, right? I mean, it's the physical aspect that lots of conflicts in that area. Paul writes this, he says, Don't deprive one another sexually except when you agree for a time to devote yourself to prayer. Then come together again, otherwise Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The Bible, Bible says that sex is one of our spiritual responsibilities in our marriage. To deny is to really uh, ask for trouble in the relationship. You know, recent studies uh, discovered that uh, men are interested in sex on days that start with T. Today, tomorrow. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? I know we're doing some stereotyping here, but on your wedding day, you stood before God. You committed your life to your spouse. You committed to an exclusive relationship before God. And you said, you know what? For most of the needs in my life, I think specifically the the top five, I will look to you to meet my needs and be the only one that meets those needs. And unfortunately, sometimes we feel like we've gotten a raw deal because their needs aren't our needs and we don't meet each other's needs. And there's a decision all of us have to make, and that is I'm going to be the one that meets my spouse's needs, period. See, it's easy to leave your spouse but it's hard to leave your best friend. You know, Cindy and I have always had a goal, we want to be best friends. I mean, how do you build friendship? You gotta spend time together. You gotta spend time together. It is hard to be best friends if you don't know each other. You know, spend time together. See each other often, have date nights, talk to them, talk to them about your heart and where their heart is and what's going on. Set a date for each other on a regular basis. Get away without the kids sometimes. It will strengthen your relationship. It'll strengthen your relationship. Your marriage is stronger 
your family will be stronger. So invest in your marriage. Guard your mind. Guard your mind. Most people do not fall into immorality overnight. In other words, it doesn't uh, happen where today you're morally upright and then boom, tomorrow you, you, you fall. There's usually a process. There are steps that kind of lead you there. And the, and the first is you start accepting sinful thoughts into your mind. I mean, any, any temptation that you battle in life begins here. What you think about, what you focus on, eventually you begin to feel. And when you feel, then you begin to act upon it. You know, James writes this, he says, temptation is the pull of one's own evil thoughts and wishes. These evil thoughts lead to evil actions and afterwards to the death penalty from God. We live in a high infidelity society. Christians, you should get serious about protecting your mind. You should be careful what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're listening to. And I know, as I say that, some of you are going, yeah, but I can handle it. Do not be deceived. Don't be deceived. Paul says, run, run from anything that stimulates your youthful lusts. Indeed, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So first, we start letting these thoughts in. Then the next step really is that that, uh, emotional. It's non-physical, but it's emotional involvement. And I know how this goes because people mistakenly assume if they're not sleeping with someone, all's good. Well, that is not so. I mean, emotional involvement means that you're looking to someone other than your spouse to meet those deep needs in your life. You know, to, to give you that understanding or that support or that sympathy. And friends, it's an emotional affair. And I will tell you, if the person that you carry on with is not a Christian, they do not stay here long in the emotional part. They will move to the physical part pretty rapidly. And I have met many dedicated Christians that love the Lord, that were in marriages that things were not satisfying, they were unhappy in that, and they began to talk to someone at work or at school. And so they start talking to this person that's of another sex. And they will say things like, well, they were so kind. You know, they were sympathetic. They were understanding. And they'll say things to me and say, you know, we've never touched each other. But then you can see the big question mark. But if they ever do, I'm done for. Some of you are in that position right now. Run. Run. It is sin. It's a power keg. It will destroy you. It will destroy your family. It will cost you more than you can even imagine. And the next step, well, it's the physical involvement. And once you cross that line, the the pull of sin is horrendous. 
you know, don't cross it for your, for your own protection, for your families. And once you cross that, I mean, the, really the next step, we really start rationalizing, rationalizing the affair. And we are great at deceiving ourselves. You know, Jeremiah writes, he says, the heart's more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? You can convince yourself of anything if you decide to. Oh, if only my spouse had met my needs, this wouldn't be happening. God, God will forgive me. I mean, God, God loves me. He, he's, he'll, he'll forgive me with this. And that is true. God will forgive you and God loves you. But it's really arrogant. Cheapens, cheapens grace. And you will suffer consequences in this life and the cost greater than you can imagine. And you will give an account someday before your God. And the bottom line, guard your mind. Guard your mind. Keep a pulse on your relationships. Most affairs occur with people that we are close to. You know, friends, coworkers, family. Now, obviously, we have to deal with people, right? So, so how do you maintain proper relationships? And I, I'm just going to kind of rapid fire through these, give you some quick cautions. But do not listen to a member of the opposite sex about their marriage problems, period. And I know it's tempting because some of you go, well, but I'm a really good listener, don't listen to a member of the opposite sex tell you about their marriage problems. You know, the fact is what will happen in those conversations is initially you're listening and you go, you shouldn't be treated like that. And then it will shift to, I would never treat you like that. And it is a dangerous path, a dangerous path. Run, steer them to another Christian of the same sex that can help them work through it. Don't go looking for compliments. You know, maybe you're married to a guy and he has not noticed that two weeks ago you dyed your hair purple, okay? But that does not mean you go outside the marriage to find compliments. Same for the guys. For your deep emotional needs, you may have to turn to God. And you should. Guys, watch what you say to other women. Women, watch what you say to guys. Not sure what to say? Don't say anything. It is better to send the wrong signal uh, or to send the right signal of, hey, I can't go here than it is to get involved in that conversation. Be aware of the attraction between someone that's of the opposite sex. In other words, you gotta recognize the spark. Yeah, you have two choices in that moment. You can fan the flame, that spark, and go, wow, that's nice. They think I'm attractive, they're paying attention to me. You can either move in or you can back off. 
and just say, you know what, I love my spouse, I'm not going there, this may feed my ego, but it's not worth it, and just back, back away from it, totally, all right? Avoid prolonged stares. If you're single, if they're single, it's called flirting, go for it. But if you're married, you're no longer in that game. You don't participate in it. Avoid lingering touches. Now, I shouldn't even have to address this, but that signals interest, and I'm going to say it again. Run, run, just run. Take this stuff seriously. It's for your protection. Paul writes, he says, but among you, there must not be any hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends wisely. It says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. Again, it's well documented. Most affairs happen among friends. Make sure that your friends, the people that you spend time with, are committed to their marriage. You, you need to, more than good intentions here, you need a plan, you need to establish some guidelines in, in your life, and then you need to minimize the opportunities. In other words, don't place yourself in a situation where you're tempted. Recognize the situations that, that you're in. Know if you're vulnerable. Know when you're in a weakened state in things. You should have a pulse on that and just minimize those opportunities. Paul says, so be careful if you're thinking, oh, I would never behave like that. Let this be a warning to you, for you too may fall into sin. You need to know early on the warning signs of temptation. So you can bail on it, so you can run, so you can take cover. And I know, as I've been talking this morning, some of you are going, this is all good, Pastor. Preach it. That's good. But I've been married so long, this could never happen to me. And I just want to say, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. No one here, no one is immune. You've got to put your guard up. You've got to set guidelines. And you've got to make a commitment to God's standards. Do the godly thing. Do the godly thing. Malachi 2.15 says, so guard yourself in your spirit and don't be unfaithful to your wife or husband, I would add, of your youth. couple things. One, I know for some, this may have been a painful message. You know, for some, you're kind of going through the stuff. You go, I've been unfaithful. What I want to say, there's still hope. You know, you got to acknowledge sin. you got to stop rationalizing it. And I know we, we try and use all kinds of words. We go, well, it's just a fling, you know, it's just a diversion. It's sin. It's adultery. God never changed the standard on this one. And there's a reason why. You know, in the relationship, immediately, cut off all contact. If they keep calling... Don't answer. Don't, don't listen to the voicemails. If they keep texting you, don't read it. Delete it. Don't respond to it. Block their number. 
get, get to a counselor with your spouse and, and work through it. Let, let this church help you, but run. Friends, God's ways, God's ways are the best ways. Honor God in all your ways, and he'll make your path straight. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, I pray that you'd put a hedge of protection around all the marriages represented here this morning. God, I pray that all of us would uh, make our spouse a high priority. That, God, we'd make you the foundation in that marriage. And, God, I'm aware that there's some here today that it's, um, things are a challenge right now. But, God, I pray your spirit would just breathe life, that they'd see hope, that you would strengthen the foundations, that your will and your word would reign. God, protect the families represented here. May we gladly bow a knee before you, before your word. God, we thank you for this wonderful thing called marriage. You've designed it fearfully, wonderfully. God, help us to honor you. Honor our spouse. Honor our family with all we say and all we do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. We're going to continue in worship, and uh, after we uh, sing and, and worship, we're going to dedicate uh, the children this morning. And so uh, let, let's stand and let's sing together. <laughs>